This is the podcast for the British International School New York and welcome to Bisney Behind the Scenes, the podcast where we talk to staff, to parents and to pupils to find out more about life at the school. Now in this episode we're speaking to Wavell Blades, deputy head at Bisney and someone who's heavily involved in pastoral care at school. But he's also someone who's moved to New York within the last 12 months, so he talks to us about his life before living in the city, what he was doing, where he was, and how he's finding things both in a new city and working at Disney. And we also get to understand something more about his incredible name, so make sure you stick around for that. But enough from me, instead let's jump right into this episode as we speak with Wavel Blades. Wavel, thank you for being here and welcome to this episode of the podcast. How are you today? Thank you for having me. I'm great. I'm currently sat in my office at Disney and my office is located in the uh, sixth form area of the school. So there are lots of year 12s and 13s outside my office in their classes, uh, studying for their A-levels, starting their year 13 content. And, you know, it's a lovely day in New York. It's, you know, the sun is shining into my office. It's it's nice and warm. And I've, I've had a busy morning. I mean, I've been looking forward to doing this, but, you know, part of my day involves, you know, responding to lots of emails, responding to staff, requests for information, talking to students, you know, just the general kind of busyness of work, working in the schools. So yeah, having a good day so far. Fantastic. Now you mentioned those sixth formers and you mentioned exams as well. How are they all feeling? Have you, have you got a gauge for whether or not they're nervous at the moment? Well, so most of our sixth formers have just about finished their exams. We have only one year 13 student this year who is uh, graduating and about to go to university in London, which we're very excited about. She has her last exam today. Um, And the other students are year 12s. We have about 10 year 12s. Um, They finished their exams probably last week. There was a couple of them who had the odd exam this week, but most of them finished last week. I think they're relieved (laughs) that it's over. You know, it's obviously the big thing that we've been working on all year and they're they're glad to see the back of them. Um, But they also know that it's only the halfway point and, you know, we have to go straight back into it and get them ready for for next year. But I I think they're generally feeling good. I think they're feeling pleased with themselves. Good, good. And Wavell, tell us a little bit about your role. What is it you actually do there? in school. Yeah, so um, I'm the deputy head teacher, and my role in particular covers the pastoral side of the school. So any issues around student well-being, welfare, safeguarding issues are issues that I would be involved in in terms of discussing and perhaps thinking about what steps staff should take or, or, or what we should communicate to parents and students. I work specifically with the secondary school. We're an all-through school, as I'm sure you know uh, you're aware, but I mainly work with the older students, so the 11 to 18 year olds, and look out for their for their well-being. I also teach history as well, so I teach history uh, to year 10 and year 12. So that's yeah. So I really enjoy that side of my role too. Fantastic. Now, tell me just briefly why it is that you love history. So I'm presuming that you love history and that you <laughs> studied history. Uh, but yeah. but what is it about history that appeals to you so much? So I really enjoyed history when I was in school myself. I really enjoyed um, learning about the past, learning about how events that happened so long ago influence things that are happening today and finding those patterns and, and trying to explain why why things happened the way they did. 
I like sharing that with students. I like the students themselves making the same connections and having that kind of aha moment where they can understand something about the political situation today by referring to events that they've studied in the past. With my year 10 class, for example, we've been studying Weimar Germany and the rise of the Nazis and, and the Nazi party in power. And there's one student every single lesson who says, um, you know, this is just like modern day America. This is just like Donald Trump. Um, and, you know, the fact that they can make those comparisons and they are rooted in fact, as opposed to just kind of, you know, repeating something they might see online without knowing exactly what it means. I think that's a really important part of what I do and a, a really important part, a, a reason why, why students should study history. So I love, love those moments. And which period in history do you enjoy teaching the most? I would say that my specialism and, and what I focused on when I was at university was 20th century British political, social, cultural history. And that's something that I'm particularly interested in. But when you teach history, and I've been teaching for about 15 years now, that is rarely a topic that is, a, that is on the curriculum. So I think in terms of what I enjoy teaching the most, I definitely like looking at history from the 20th century. I, I like the interwar period. I like teaching about the build-up to World War II. And I like looking at Weimar and Nazi Germany, actually. I like teaching that topic. It's I think there's a lot of interesting things for students to take away from that, you, you mm. know, from the kind of personal kind of looking at Hitler and looking at what he did because you know every student will have heard about Hitler by the time they get to um, year 10 um, mm -hmm. but also looking at society themselves and uh, itself and thinking about how people were driven to vote for someone who had such a huge impact on on world world events. And I'm going to make a guess that when you were at school yourself, you had a good history teacher, someone who inspired you. Yeah, I did. I did. I remember I had a history teacher, the same history teacher from year seven to year 11, Mr. Smith, who was a, a great history teacher. And they, you know, they buy the book. He, he taught very differently to how I think I teach today, but he really instilled a sense of content is important. You need to know the facts about what happened before you can analyse, before you can, you know, give your opinion on something. You need to know what happened. And I think that's something that I have taken away and incorporated into my own teaching. So yeah, absolutely. He's a teacher that I remember very well. And I think, you know, definitely helped to embed that, that love for history. Now, Wavell, unless my powers of observation are incorrect, you, you, you don't strike me as someone that's got a New York accent. Tell us a little bit about <laughs> where you're from and how long yeah. you've been in New York for. Yes. So I am from London. I was born in Hammersmith, but I grew up in South East London, an area called Abbey Wood, which is now famous for the Crossrail being, <laughs> being there. And uh, I moved to New York last year, August 2021. So I've been in New York for less than a year, but it has been, you know, an incredible experience. And for as, as someone who is from a big city, moving to another big city was always something that I'd hoped I would have the experience to do. And being here has you know, it has just been wonderful. But yes, I'm, I'm British by, by birth. And I imagine that a number of the people listening to this right now will be familiar with London, probably quite familiar with Hammersmith as well, to be honest. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about some of the differences that you're finding, because some of them are quite obvious. You know, you mentioned the similarity of there being of both being two cities mm. and two big cities at that. But mm. what, are, what are some of the big differences that you're, that you're experiencing between London and New York? Yeah, I mean, when I first got here, the, the actual kind of geography of the city is something which, you know, I think lots of people who are new to the city have to get used to. 
London is such a kind of rambling city. You know, there's always little kind of roads you can go down and find these new places, shops, restaurants. But you, you often have to kind of have a map, you know, have your phone in front of you to be able to see where you should make a left or where you should make a right. And I just got used to that. And, you know, it's, it's having grown up in London, that's just what you do. What I like about, I live in Manhattan, and what I like about Manhattan in particular is is the grid system, because it really makes it so much more straightforward and simple in terms of working out where you need to go. Someone says, oh, you know, this restaurant is on 14th and 6th, you automatically have an idea of what neighbourhood that's in and, and how you need to get there from where you are. And it's amazing how quickly you pick up on that. I, I mean, my sense of direction is is okay-ish but I know that um, someone else who joined with me uh, this year from from the UK within a week or two was able to come out of a subway station and know automatically whether she was facing east or west and which way she had to go in order to find the you know the location she was searching for and I think you know I think the grid system really helps with that you can't do that um, as easily in in the UK. Tell me a bit about people then, because, you know, the grid system, yeah, you know, we, we all understand that, that New York's got this grid system. I mean, a lot of American cities do, of course. And, and actually, just on that, what, what some Americans I've heard find when they come across to the UK is that they, so they really quite like that the, the quaint, curvy streets and all of the bends and curves that you get in the roads. And I imagine that it makes, makes it very different. It may well be, actually, that someone from New York who relocates to London says that that's one of the amazing things about, about London, actually, is, is that it's not a grid system. But tell me a bit about the people that you encounter in New York mm. compared to the people that you know back in London. No, I think that's a, that's a really good question. You know, what I've found since I've moved here is that New Yorkers and, and Americans in general, I think there's a lot of non-New Yorkers who I've met in New York, but Americans in general are incredibly friendly and very happy to have a conversation about almost anything if, you know, if they see you looking a bit lost or on your own. And that is a big difference, I would say, to, to the UK and to London. You know, I'm very... And I am like this myself. I'm very much used to the whole kind of you sit on the tube and you don't make eye contact and you don't talk to anyone. And that that's just the way that life is. And everyone understands that. Whereas here, there is, a, you know, there is a bit more, I guess, people happy to make conversation, even if they, you know, don't know you. And it's friendly and, and, and non-threatening. And that's that. I think that's one of the biggest kind of differences that I had to get used to living here. But more generally, I guess what I notice about the people here is that New York is a, a, a city full of many people who are looking to experience something different. And there are a lot of transplants who are here. There are people from all over the world who have come to New York to uh, to work or to live or just for a new opportunity. And you see that with the people who are from America themselves who have moved to the city for, you know, this this amazing kind of experience. And it's it feels like that kind of brings everyone together, really. Everyone's in New York for the same reason which is to try and experience something unique and maybe it's because I'm from London I've, I you know was born in London and grew up in London I never really thought that about London London is is a, is a big city but it's often you know people who live there are, are people who were born there and and they're just making their way you know through, through life as they can but New York feels like it's got this own its own energy and the people who move here to experience something unique are a big part of that energy. 
Yeah, I, th- I think people listening to this will probably understand exactly what you mean. It's it's, it's something you can't really put your finger on as such, but it's definitely mm-hmm. there. It doesn't mean that, that, that it's not there just because you can't put your finger on it. Um, mm-hmm. Tell me one of the things you miss about London. I mean, you know, given that you've only been there for, <laughs> for, for less than a year, but is there anything you miss right now? I miss uh, some of the food. It, there's little things that you miss. I miss M&S. I miss being able to go and get like either a quick kind of lunch from M&S. The idea of like a quick lunch here, you can do it. You know, they have delis and things like that. But I miss kind of the M&S just whole experience. But I miss proper chips. I miss I miss the tube, actually. I mean, in some really? ways, is, is, yeah, I do. I miss, I miss the efficiency and comfort of the tube. Um, you know, I know that there's like strikes and things happening and, you know, now might, might not be the best time to talk about that, but, um, I have a newfound appreciation for the tube. The subway's great. The subway takes, you know, literally to all corners of New York and it's so regular and efficient, but it really is something that I do have a newfound appreciation for, I would say. And tell me, what would you say is your biggest surprise having moved to New York? I think the biggest surprise was how quickly... I was able to feel that like I lived here as opposed mm. to I was just visiting. Mm. Once I, I, it helps, you know, having you know, working in the city and having a kind of a routine so you don't feel like you're on holiday all the time. But that for me was something I, I wasn't necessarily expecting. This is my first time working abroad, working outside mm. of the UK. And I did wonder how quickly I'd be able to kind of feel settled and I was surprised by the fact that it didn't take as long as I thought it would. And moving here and just being part of, you know, New York life, like experiencing the restaurants, experiencing the the, the, the culture, but also doing the kind of day-to-day things like getting a social security number and, you know, going through getting my ID card and things like that. Having to do that all quite quickly meant that within a couple of months, I felt very much like, hmm, you know, I'm, I'm not on holiday. I'm not a tourist. I, you know... I wouldn't necessarily say I'm a New Yorker, but I definitely feel that I'm, you know, settled. And that's that for me was was surprising. Oh, I like that. That, that. That's a good insight. And that's really helpful to hear. Tell me a little bit about how you've experienced school life then at, at Disney. I mean, what was it like on your first day when you joined back in August? Mm. And how does that compare to how you're finding life at school right now? I mean, Disney's great. And, it, it, you know, I've I've been I feel very fortunate that I've got this role here and but I've been able to have this you know amazing opportunity to not only work in a, a brand new city and a city that I've wanted to uh, live in for for years but also to continue doing something I love which is you know teaching and to have this role in the school as deputy head teacher where I can shape you know the, the direction that the school is taking and that's you know that's something which I feel very lucky to be involved in. I think when I first got here, similar to many people who go to a school for the first time, whether that's in you know their country of origin or whether it's a brand new country, it's it's slightly overwhelming. There's so many things to get used to, so many different systems, so many different ways of, of even teaching. And the curriculum was one area which was a little bit new to me. Um, not so much the GCSE and A-level curriculum, but we do something called the middle years program which is part of the ib program the international baccalaureate and i've never worked in a school with with an myp middle years program before so getting my head around what that involves and supporting staff who had questions about that while knowing that it was new to me uh, you know coming in was was one of the kind of tricky things when i first started here but you know as with 
so many things you, you pick things up you do the research you talk to people and one of the things I've really liked about working here is that whenever I've had questions about you know why, what does this mean or why do we do things this way um, it's always been very easy to find answers whether that's from mm. you know my, my colleagues on SLT or whether that's just from class teachers who have been here for a very long time and you know know the way that the school works inside out and I, I really think that that has been my favorite part about this year in terms of working in the school it's the mm. ease um, of which I can speak to other members of staff about anything to do with the way that the school operates or teaching mm. or students. It just feels a very inclusive and collaborative environment, which is great. Mm. Awesome. That sounds really good. That really does. Now, earlier in this podcast recording, you mentioned that you also oversee the pastoral care within the school. Um, mm. Tell me a little bit about why you feel that pastoral care is so important in 2022. I mean, I feel incredibly strongly about pastoral care and I'm, I'm very lucky in that much of my career has been involved in, in pastoral care. My first kind of middle management role was as a head of year. I then moved into a safeguarding role, a special educational needs role. Um, and then before I came here, I was assistant head in charge of uh, pastoral care for a sixth form. So I've, I've seen, I've had lots of experiences working with pastoral care and, and helping staff and students to ensure that it's of a high quality. And the main thing that drives me in that area really is the fact that if pastoral care in a school is not strong, then it really does affect outcomes. I mean, we know that teaching is important. We know that, you know, students need to have good lessons, but students also need to be in a the right frame of mind to be able to mm. receive that information, to receive that teaching. And there are so many things going on in students' lives that can affect that, you know, whether it's their home situation, whether it's worry about the world, whether it's issues with their peers. And sometimes I think it's easy to forget that those issues, which might seem for a teacher who only sees a student once or twice a week, it might not seem that important. Well, actually mm. for that student, that is impacting their day. And it doesn't matter who they're in front of, that's what's on their mind. And that's what could be the, a barrier for progress. So for me, pastoral care is absolutely, you know, uh, has to be a priority in a school if we want students to come out with the outcomes that will allow them to make decisions about what they want to do in the future. Um, and ultimately, mm -hmm. that's what I think, you know, uh, we are here for. We're here to ensure that students have the best possible platform to make those decisions about what they want to do as an adult and education plays a key part in that that sounds fantastic that really does and it's a great insight into your role there not just your role as deputy head but in including mm. that pastoral care side of your of your work now mm. i've got one last question wavel which is that your name is possibly one of the coolest names that i've ever come across <laughs> tell me a little bit about where this name wavel blades comes from yeah of course so i'm named after my my dad so i'm, I'm technically wavel blades junior and my parents actually do call me junior and the name itself is Guyanese my my family on my dad's side are from Guyana in South America and on my mum's side are from St Vincent in the in the West Indies but the the, the name itself is, is Guyanese and you know I I love having the, the name that I do have it, it's always one that you know people tend to remember and it's interesting because when I was younger I really hated having a name that would make me stand out in that way you know when you're a kid you kind of want to blend into the crowd and things like that but you know as I've got older I definitely uh, feel very lucky to kind of you know have this name which reflects my you know my, my culture and my background so 
yeah. Fantastic. Well, well, it is a great name and, and it's been great talking to you as well. So, Wavell, thank you for your time. If anyone's heard anything here today and if they wanted to get in touch with you to ask any follow-up questions, what's the best way for them to do that? Probably to email me. My email address is, I think it's on the website, but if it's not on the website, it would be w.blades at bizney.org. W.blades at bizney.org. That's fantastic. Excellent. Well, Wavell, thank you for your time. Thank you again for being here. I really appreciate you giving it up. And uh, I hope you have a great rest of the day and I look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you very much. And thank you for having me. So that was Wavell Blades talking all about life in New York, moving across from London, working at Disney, and also where that incredible name comes from. So a big thank you to him for giving up his time to join us on this episode of the podcast. Now, our next episode is coming out soon. But in the meantime, thank you for listening to this one. Don't forget to follow or subscribe so you can stay in touch. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now.